This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 13th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The Department of Homeland Security wants drones that can recognize your face and track individuals over long distances. Matthew Feeney, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, says there are several reasons why that technology should concern anyone who cares about liberty and privacy. So in the past, we know that the Department of Homeland Security has used drones that were originally designed for military use. Uh, Many listeners will be aware that in our ongoing adventures abroad, we use predator drones, and some of those drones have made it back to, uh, to the homeland, where they are used by the Department of Homeland Security for border surveillance. Uh, They have not been particularly effective in conducting this kind of surveillance. A Office of Inspector General report from a few years ago found that this program was very expensive and that these drones uh, were responsible for very few apprehensions uh, of people crossing the border illegally, as well as drugs. And Last summer, uh, DHS issued a solicitation asking for companies uh, to build for them drones that would have a range of sensors. And these drones are going to be much, much smaller. They'll be more like the hobby drones that you or I could buy at a store. But interestingly, they want these drones to not only provide surveillance for up to three miles, uh, the ability to track targets persistently, uh, they also noted that they would like these drones to be equipped with facial recognition software, which raises a wide range of uh, pretty significant privacy issues. So, and other biometrics, depending uh, on but what, what might those be? So, other biometrics could be something uh, such as a gait. Uh, everyone walks a little differently, uh, but it also includes uh, fingerprints. But when we're talking about drones, I think uh, facial recognition is the most applicable. We're just now coming to understand the uh, technological capabilities of a lot of Uh, these drones in terms of the cameras that are attached to them and the types of resolution that they can provide. That's right. And if anyone looked at the solicitation documents, uh, DHS makes makes clear that they're very interested in uh, pretty intrusive sensors. And they also make clear that this is the sort of technology they want to see at the border. But it's worth remembering that the Customs and Border Protection uh, has statutory authority to stop and search vehicles within 100 miles of America's borders. And that's a, a huge area that includes entire states like Florida and many states in New England. And in fact, two-thirds of Americans live within 100 miles of this border. So when we think about CBP using drones with facial recognition uh, in that area, it should concern us all. It looks like, based upon the map, uh, that that you've uh, provided at uh, Cato.org, that it's most of California is most, included yes. there. All of Florida, most of California. That's a huge amount of the U.S. population. It's a huge amount, and it's an area that includes some of America's most well-known and popular cities, such as Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Miami. Uh, we've mentioned Florida and most of New England already, but the entire state of Michigan, I think, is also included. It looks like Maine as well. Maine, yes. So, um, presumably, the Customs and Border Patrol only wants to use these within their search zone where they have, uh, it looks like, at least according to statute, plenary authority to search whoever they want. So, yes, uh, but we mustn't forget that they're going to collect a lot of information about U.S. citizens. Uh, CBP has authority to uh, investigate uh, illegal immigration and other immigration violations. 
But uh, as anyone listening can do, if you go to YouTube, uh, you can find many videos of American citizens being stopped at these interior checkpoints and being asked for their citizenship. Uh, we should well expect that as uh, these kind of drones and other surveillance technologies are used more and more by CBP, that they will be collecting a lot of data about law-abiding citizens. Now, some citizens might say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I am a citizen. I'm in the country legally. Why should I be worried about facial recognition software? And it's worth remembering, I think, that this kind of technology can be used to track people if it's put in the wrong hands. And we also uh, should be worried about the fact that this kind of technology could have a chilling effect on First Amendment protected activities. So people who attend protests might be a little less likely to go to the next protest if they know that, if not CBP, then other law enforcement agencies will be scanning their faces as they take a look. So what are the arguments that DHS uh, and related CBP, which is under DHS, mm -hmm. what arguments do they make that this is perfectly constitutional? So the Supreme Court has not taken up the issue yet on whether facial recognition uh, constitutes a Fourth Amendment search, but they've argued that this kind of uh, technology would allow them to identify people at distance, uh, and that you know could be of some use. I'm not against facial recognition technology, period, but I think a good way to approach this issue is to make sure that the databases of faces that are being put together should include only wanted suspects or people with a history of violent crime. Uh, a report from last year found that the FBI's facial recognition database includes 411 million facial images. Uh, and that's not just criminals. It includes the uh, DMV driver's license uh, faces from about 16 states. So perhaps you and me. Yes. Uh, Georgetown issued a report last year that estimated that one in two, so half of American adults, are in some kind of law enforcement facial recognition network. And you make note here that uh, one of the things that DHS is interested in is tracking multiple targets persistently. The Supreme Court has dealt with something similar recently. They did so in U.S. v. Jones in 2012. They dealt with the long-term tracking of a particular vehicle with a GPS locator. Uh, the physical attachment of the GPS locator to the car uh, makes the case a little different to, for example, CBP tracking a couple dozen people crossing the border. So I do think it's it won't be too long before the Supreme Court uh, hears a, a case that does concern facial recognition. But until then, uh, there's no judicial uh, prohibition on this kind of technology that uh, I would like to see. And there, there doesn't seem to be any uh, protections or any checks in place for where this data goes. Um, President Obama, on his way out of, out of office, uh, expanded the range of data that can be shared among intelligence agencies without any kind of minimization, so raw data. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it seems odd or at least troubling that there isn't some sort of check on where this data is being collected, how long it's going to be held, et cetera. Yeah, I think that uh, folks here in D.C., especially up on Capitol Hill, should really strongly consider uh, taking a look at what kind of data is being collected for how long and for what purposes. It's not just intelligence agencies. So law enforcement agencies like the FBI and DHS have been sharing uh, data before in other immigration settings uh, and programs, including the Secure Communities Program, which President Trump has brought back. Matthew Feeney is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.